Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett, and in this episode, I'm joined with Scott Magdalene from Trained Up, which is a online course platform designed to create highly engaging ministry training and to help uh, use online courses to train volunteers, develop leaders, equip missionaries, and resource pastors uh, in getting their skills out there. So thanks for coming on the show, Scott. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is really cool. Good to have you here. Well, the main topic of this episode is we're actually going to get into SEO. Um, but before we get into that, um, tell, us, tell us a little bit more about Trained Up. What's your story? How'd you get into it? And uh, like, what problem are you solving with your, your LMS platform, Trained Up? Yeah, with Trained Up, we're solving a really, really specific problem, and that is volunteer training and leadership development in um, ministries. So that would be like churches and missions organizations and faith-based nonprofits and you know local nonprofits, that sort of thing. Um, and it's a um, it, it's a challenge that is just kind of a budding technology, or it's just now coming uh, kind of coming around to letting technology solve that problem. Um, but it is a problem, or at least a challenge that pretty much every uh, ministry-related organization has. Most ministries are really heavily depend on volunteers, and so getting those volunteers trained is a big, big job. We came around it um, um, because I myself, am, you know, have been in ministry, and um, we, uh, I've always had the tra- trouble of training my own volunteers in a way that's kind of scales and is efficient and is consistent across the board, and so. Um, I built it, I built trained up originally for myself, um, so that I could use it in my own ministry. And then as some of my other ministry friends, ministry leader friends found it, they, uh, decided that it was, you know, something they could use. And over time it kind of turned into a, a little business that's now growing into a bigger business. So, so it started what, out as a tool, as a tool for myself. Yeah. That's awesome. So what does trained up do? Well, trained up is pretty simple. Um, it's an LMS that allows um, any kind of ministry leader to create a course online, and um, uh, it's usually video courses, but they can be any kind of content, um, and allow their volunteers to go through it and complete full courses for training. Um, there's also we have a couple of other features in there that we kind of say that there's three legs to this trained up stool. There's the um, the main one, which is courses, and allows you to create courses just like you know you'd imagine. Um, and then we also have two others that are called resources and webinars. Resources is a way to share collections of files, sort of like Dropbox, but uh, but branded and behind the login domain in your trained up account. Um, and then there's webinars, which is like a live streaming, live chat kind of tool to be able to do um, live training in remote scenarios. So a lot of our missionary um, organizations use the webinar feature to be able to train missionaries overseas without having to fly them in for training. That's awesome. Well, if you're listening to this and you'd like to check out Trained Up, you can head on over to trainedup.org and see what that's all about. Um, Today, we're really going to get into SEO, search engine optimization. And this is a great topic because there's so much um, junk or garbage out there and just bad advice or uh, overconfident advice. Um, And Scott is somebody uh, who really cares about SEO and, and helps um, can help get traction to can help actually create search engine optimized content. Uh, this is an issue that I'm really excited about. I've done a lot of the hard yards in learning how to do SEO. I've also, as a, you know, when I've run an agency, I've, I've kind of come onto projects who, who that had, uh, involved some kind of SEO agency and 
I found some, you know, some things that were a little unethical or weird or all kinds of like link wheels and, mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. just a lot of bad advice. And I understand the promise of search engine optimization. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants to be number one on Google for whatever. But the reality is, is it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of hard work. I mean, but you want to be doing, it doesn't have to be hard, but it takes consistency. It takes doing the right things. It's not a passive thing that you just throw money at. Um, you have to do the work, create the content. So I'm really excited to, to kind of merge our experience together here and talk about SEO that actually works. I've often, um, uh, if I had some free time, I've always wanted to create a no BS SEO course that like <laughs> people like just beginner, like, and, and trust me, just doing the, the basics can bring you a long way especially over uh, um, a decent time horizon. Like don't, this is not like overnight success land here. But uh, anyways, maybe one day we could collaborate on a course about that. But let's get into it. Like what's your history with SEO? How'd you get into it? Um, let's start there. Man, I've, working in, I've been working in search for probably eight years now, uh, which isn't as long as a lot of other people. But, um, but I, I have a... I'll, what feels like a long history with um, with uh, working around tiptoeing around Google's rules and um, and mainly we say search you know we really we we mean Google um, I mean like it's pretty much Yahoo and Bing and um, and even DuckDuckGo and all those others they still use a lot of the same rules so if you can give them you know if you can rank in Google then the others are you're fine um, so yeah so my search history kind of goes back to my own business when I started a, a marketing company really a mortgage um, lead generation company back in mid 2000s, I guess. And, um, and I didn't have a whole lot of budget, so I didn't have, you know, I couldn't like run ads or whatever. So I had to figure out how to get in front of people searching for mortgage, um, like uh, buying a mortgage. And so we were up against, you know, big banks and all that kind of stuff, trying to generate leads for mortgage brokers. Um, so at the time, of course there were link farms and you could do a whole lot of like, you know, nefarious stuff and, um, and still get ranked without too many penalties. Um, over time, of course, those penalties grew harder, bigger and harsher and, um, and tighter parameters around what, the, what you're allowed to do. So um, over time, you know, my techniques um, really just sort of simplified into uh, what you're talking about, the long, hard work of content creation, technical SEO, just making sure all the, you know, all the, the bits and pieces are, are lined up properly and sitemap is generating properly regularly and everything is indexed well and all that kind of stuff. Um, but content creation and um, building reputation, building authority through, um, through link building or link earning rather. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, just to give people an idea, SEO back in the day, like if I wanted to rank, to rank for the phrase WordPress LMS, I could just put the word WordPress LMS 137 times at the bottom of my homepage and that would help me. But mm-hmm. the, re- the reality is, uh, you know, you can't outsmart Google or you shouldn't try to, it's not there as a system to be gamed. Um, yeah. I mean, people will always find like a loophole to exploit or something like that, but over time it's gotten so much smarter that what Google really cares about these days is like relevance, um, authority, these kind of things you're talking about. And they have Google's algorithm for figuring these things out is not something that you can crack. And, you know, you hear about it like with Penguin and Panda, all these like Google updates that all of a sudden this loophole that all these people were exploiting, like, um, uh, I don't know. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Maybe like using anchor links or 
else. Overuse of anchor links, yeah. Yeah, you can all of a sudden you get slapped and now your your website disappears from the internet. It's called yeah. a, it's called a Google slap. So if you feel like you're gaming the system, you probably are, and I would I would avoid it. Cause it will catch up with you. Yeah, that's true. Usually. Um, what I like to say is in Google search, if you think you found a loophole, then you probably found a noose. Um, it's, it's probably going to come and hack and hang you. Um, and the thing is, the, the problem with a, a Google slap, as you called it, I've never heard that. That'd be funny. Um, is that it's not just that you get unranked, but you get like banned and blacklisted. Like it's, um, it's not just a matter of undoing what you did. You have to regain authority and regain trust with Google. Um, and a lot of times it actually even takes contacting Google to prove that you're, you know, you've, um, amended your ways and you have rehabilitated. <laughs> so, um, yeah. it's not easy. Yeah. And so, uh, there's another, a couple, we'll get into some tactics and some ideas here, but one of the key things to just realize is there's something called uh, black hat SEO, white hat SEO and gray hat SEO. So the black hat SEO is all the shady, you know, not cool stuff that you might get away with. The gray hat stuff is things where you're not sure. Maybe it's a little bit shady, but it works. Or, uh, but it's not necessarily like clean as a whistle. Whereas like organic content that you wrote yourself that happens to include in a natural cadence the keywords related to your business, that's a white hat technique. So it's, it's very much um, you know, legit. And we want to talk about like really the white hat techniques here. Um, but you'll hear that if you start researching SEO and you hear people talking about black hat or gray hat or white hat, focus on the white hat. That's the stuff that's, uh, that's good and that you, you don't even have to worry about. It's just best practices. So yeah. maybe, maybe, Scott, we can get into uh, something, just some specific um, concepts that people should understand and then give some examples. And before we do, I just want to frame in. A lot of the people listening to this, you probably have an online course website or a membership site or a learning management system, which gives you a unique SEO challenge in that a lot of your content is protected and restricted so that members only or customers only who have enrolled in a certain course or membership are allowed to see the content. Therefore, Google is not going to automatically necessarily index that protected content. They're not going to give you a bunch of uh, they're not going to rank you for stuff that isn't openly available to the public. Um, what Google really likes, they don't like dead ends and stuff that's kind of hidden. It does, it's not bad to have your content restricted to members only. Just know that that's not necessarily helping you a lot for SEO. So if you have an online course or a membership site, it's really important that the content on your homepage, on your other pages, like your about page, and that's all kinds of feature pages or whatever that that content you pay a lot of attention to that from an SEO perspective. And also I highly recommend that you do something like have a blog that's free and open to the public, which is your opportunity to really create a lot of content, SEO rich content for your platform um, so that you're not just keeping a secret from Google, everything that's kind of locked in and hidden inside your, your courses and your memberships. Uh-huh. Well, let's get into some things. What, what are some key concepts that we sh- people should pay attention to and what would be some tactics they could try to do? Yeah, so some key concepts probably would be, um, like you said, you mentioned blog, how important it is to have a blog. Um, those, blog page, those blogs, although they feel chronological to us as humans, they are considered pages by Google. And so every blog post you create creates a new page on your site. Um, and, it, and it should be, of course, you should be, you know, whatever website built 
particular you're using should be indexing those um, those individual blog posts as well. And blog posts are the easiest way to create new pages on your site. I mean, it's it's one thing to create like a topic specific page on your site, like a feature or a service that you provide, or you know something you know some topic that you know about. Um, it just feels more natural to create a blog post. Um, blog posts can feel more um, can use more natural language generally. They can be a little bit more time sensitive. So, you know, you write something about something that's you know, happening right now or happening recently. Um, and so um, keeping up and maintaining a blog is um, probably my number one um, content creation suggestion. If you don't have a blog, it's tough to rank um, uh, your other pages because just generally pages on a website don't get um, the link back kind of stuff that uh, blog posts usually have. Um, and as far as like coming up with content, well, the biggest, the hardest thing about blogging is like content creation. It's not, it's not writing the actual content. It's coming up with content and then like not just the content idea, but how do you fill it out? Um, and the great thing is that course creators, people who, um, create any kind of teaching or training content, that's my clients too. They have a great opportunity to repurpose and reuse and restate all that content that's inside their course. So all those videos and, and hopefully the transcripts to those videos, um, you know, they live behind a login wall and so they're not being indexed. So that's good you know, for the course side of it. Um, but there's no reason that you can't repurpose that content into previews or snippets or teasers or whatever that can become blog posts, that can become pages on your site, that can become um, teaser videos with transcriptions, transcripts in, um, on YouTube. These are all, you know, these are all really highly searchable um, pieces of content that don't have to give away all the, you know, all the apples in your, in your course. Um, you don't have to um, kind of give it away so that the course becomes you know less valuable, but um, they are good um, search pieces that Google can you know chew, uh, hang on to and chew on and, and provide for people when they're searching for stuff related to your topics. Um, That's awesome. And I'll give you another pro tip in terms of content, which is images. A lot of people don't pay enough attention to images. <laughs> Google likes to see like multimedia types of content. So, and Google, it's getting better. I mean, AI or whatever is, it's a thing. And, and like, uh, you know, Google might be able to tell what's in an image, but computers usually can't tell what they're looking at. So you have to tell them uh, what, what we're looking at here. So for example, if the, even just the title without giving, getting any of the more fancy like alt titles and things like that, uh, if you have a picture and you're going to add it to a blog post or anywhere on your site, take... 20 seconds and retitle that photograph by the name or the phrase or whatever's in the picture so that you're telling Google like what this image is. So for example, you know, if I take a picture off my phone and the title of it is image 0157 mm -hmm. and I put that on my site, it's not really doing anything for my SEO. But for me, if I'm selling a WordPress plugin, uh, if I take a moment and, you know, take that logo image and retitle it from image 0157 to Lifter LMS, a WordPress learning management system plugin for online courses. And then I upload it to my site. I've just done a, a huge value to my SEO. And so just, you, and you can even go back into your media library and WordPress or whatever. You can redo this stuff later if you need to. Mm -hmm. Images is often like one of those things that can really help you if you get some good habits around that. Yeah, absolutely. And all those little things matter. So, um, you know, making sure that you have, uh, have good anchor text on all of your links instead of just kind of dropping the URL itself in there and make sure it's, you know, turn it into a text link instead of just a URL. Um, uh, add titles to your URLs if, you know, if you have time to go back or they're not to your URLs, to your links. So if you have to go back, time to go back and do that. Um, there's also, I mean, like, uh, we tend to think about, um, 
uh, like the, the content itself, but it's really also important to have page titles and page descriptions on all of your pages as well as your blog posts. So I personally manually write up a title and description that's a search title and search description that I want Google to know about and Google to use when they rank one of my blog posts. So my blog post might be, you know, how to train church leaders on um, in, you know, 10 seconds a day or something like that. But the, um, the search title is a little bit more optimized. It's make, I make sure that it's tighter, that it fits in with, um, I forget what the character length is, um, Yoast helps me with that. <laughs> um, but it fits within the Google search, you know, title search parameters, and then I write a description that fits within their, you know, their limits on the description text. Um, and of course, Yoast, I use WordPress, so the Yoast plugin makes it really easy to add a title and description to everything. Um, but that's really valuable because it helps Google to know what to list, what to actually show in the search results page. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the Yoast plugin, which is called, uh, I believe it's called Yoast SEO. Uh, it's it's on one of the, I'm, I take a minimalist approach when it comes to plugins, but whenever I'm building a site, I always put that one in there and use it as a tool to, to make sure those titles are optimized. But the meta description it's called. So when you go to Google and you search for something and you see that big blue title and then that short paragraph in, in black letters, that short paragraph in black letters is where you can put in, you know, the meta description and then the SEO title. If you want that to say something else that's more focused or shorter than the title of the content, you can do that. So that's a yeah. that's a really good tip there. Um, <clears throat> well, let's let's talk about more about like the difference between inbound and outbound links. Um, so inbound links are where other sites link to your your site and um, the authority of the site linking to you, like if the Huffington Post links to you or some like crazy spamming site links to you, like the opposite thing could happen. You could actually get hurt or you could be dramatically helped by the quality or the authority of that inbound link. So mm-hmm. Let's talk about inbound links a little bit. What else should people know about inbound links and how to get more of them? Yeah, so I mean, my, um, my number one tactic isn't so secret. It's um, trying to get in touch with uh, site owners, content producers on other sites, and either produce content for them, ask for a backlink on one of their pages, tell them about my service, so they'll link to it in their suggestions places. You know, um, those old school link roles. Uh, you remember? I don't know if you've been around long enough, but those blog roles from back in the day. I don't think oh, anybody yeah, yeah. Has those anymore. Yeah. Like the sidebar of essentially like my friends. You know, my internet friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but those things are actually, you know, good link juice back. So um, that's really good. Um, I also kind of try to focus on um, on high domain authority sites within my niche that are talking about what um, we talk about. And so um, domain authority, you can use tools. There are, I don't know, probably dozens of tools to evaluate the domain authority of different sites on the web. I use Moz. Um, they're um, Open Site Explorer or something like that. Fresh Web Explorer. I'm not sure. They have all these different Explorer tools. Um, and it tells me the domain authority of the sites that I want to target with content, um, either as guest content or with links or whatever. Um, so I do that. I kind of reach out. Also, I've heard that .gov and .edu sites, if you can get a link from one of those, they have natural high authority because they have typically have higher trust. Um, and so if you can get a, a link back from one of those, it's really good, especially if you're a course creator and you are doing your own teaching, you might be able to find some, um, some sites in your kind of category or your area that might um, be willing to um, not trade links. I don't know if that's even a thing anymore, but um, essentially you'll be able to post content in their space uh, and link back to you. Um, so also, I, again, I use mods and uh, they'll tell you the spammy links coming back. So um, you can, um, 
you can check and see if there are links that you didn't want to create. Like somebody created a link back to your site um, and it's uh, getting flagged for spam because if you get to you know, eight or nine or 10 spam flags, Google will start to blacklist you and penalize you for it. So you want to watch out for any links that are um, tr triggering um, Google's spam uh, kind of alert system. So. Absolutely. And that's, you can go through a process through Google Webmaster Tools that's called disavowing, where you can be like, I don't want those to count at all towards my SEO or whatever. Like, it, I don't, just don't pay attention to those because I don't like <laughs> them or they're spam or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. And another thing, I like your point about guest posting. Um, that's, a, that's a really good one. And there's a lot of people out there who, especially if you're a course creator, you're, you're probably better than average at creating content. There's a lot yeah. of other publishers out there who'd be happy to have some new fresh content on their blogs or, or whatever and, and are more than happy to give you a link back to your site. The other thing you can do is create some of your own backlinks. For example, um, Lift Your LMS, we have a YouTube channel. The, all these podcast videos go on YouTube. Uh, I think we're up somewhere around a couple hundred videos, maybe 300. Every single one of those in the description has a link to liftlms.com, a specific blog post, a certain product, or whatever is, is the context of that video. That creates a huge amount of just, and I don't know if they index it in the same way than like somebody else's site that we don't, that isn't open to the public or whatever. But what I'm saying is when I create something somewhere else, if I have the opportunity to create a link, I'm always going to throw a link in there. Not to the point of being annoying, but I'm just going to, I am going to put a link in there if I'm trying to move traffic in. So in my approach, a lot of times, uh, like on a website, I, don't, I usually don't put social media on the site at all. Like if I'm on Facebook, I want people to come to my website. If I'm on YouTube, I want people to come to my website. If I'm on iTunes, I want them to come to the website. Uh, it's not bad to have links out to these places either, especially if you're pretty active on them. Mm -hmm. uh, just be, just think about your link strategy and, and really at the end of the day, I think what Google wants is like more of an organic web. Like if your link strategy is too perfect and, and you, it's like, it looks, <laughs> you know, so, uh, but you're not going to get penalized for like linking to your content. Now you won't get penalized for linking to your content from your own social. Um, and, f and they, they aren't counted the same at the same weight as um, general web links. Um, but there is sort some sort of um, signal in there that counts buzz and social social conversation about your content. Um, so that helps for certain. Um, and of course, social activity helps knowing like Google can associate your social accounts with your site um, and will uh, will rank or help to affect your domain authority and your, your page rank based on um, your your social activity and social interaction as well. So those are all signals that kind of play in. Um, there's also other signals. I was just thinking a moment ago, um, another big single. Oh, something else that we hadn't talked about yet is um, Google up last year. They upped their, um, this, the, the value of this signal for mobile friendliness. And so, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, most, most websites nowadays, I guess, uh, unless you're building it from scratch, HTML, it, uh, most websites are automatically responsive, especially if you're using any kind of modern WordPress theme or a Squarespace site or anything like that for your public-facing site. Um, it's going to be responsive. But if it's not responsive, Google will ding you. To the point of even saying if it's not a responsive site, Google won't list you because it's not friendly to the users. So um, that became a big signal in 2015. Um, and then also, um, there's one other big signal I heard about recently. 
Um, it didn't like, uh, I heard recently there are some issues with pop-ups, like pop-up. Yes, pop-ups. that's the other one. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Google started um, um, penalizing, not penalizing like blacklisting, but um, lowering your page rank, essentially. Lowering your, um, yeah, your page rank, your, your, your quality, um, user quality, if it detects um, any kind of interruptive um, pop-ups or anything like that. So redirects, of course, those have been negative for a while. But now, I guess, since so many sites are using um, like, you know, join my newsletter pop-ups that are, um, that overlay the entire page. Um, Google is, um, Google is docking you for those kind of things. So, um, I think you'll start to see the rise in, um, like drop down banners, the stuff that, you know, like the, the 20 pixels or 50 pixels at the top of the screen or the corner pop-ups that's just like kind of get your attention and we'll see, start to see the overlay pop-ups that kind of cover the screen kind of go away, hopefully as a result of that. Yeah. At the end of the day, Google is trying to protect and respect the end user. And that's who we should all be caring about is uh, their mission is just for people to find what they're looking for and they don't want people gaming the system. So if like a marketing company is like, okay, if you put this kind of pop-up that the user didn't trigger and you can increase the size of your email list or whatever, uh, it may help. But if it's also annoying, eventually um, Google's probably going to catch up and like, cause you're not, you're actually getting in the way of what the user is looking for. I mean, it may be valuable to be on your email list. So, and, and we use, we have some pop-ups on our sites and stuff that we use. And we haven't gone away. I haven't, we haven't gone back through and adjusted anything since the, the, um, you know, that, that news came out, but we're also not super aggressive. They don't pop up everywhere and uh, whatever, but you just be careful when, when you're using that kind of thing. Uh, well, what about, let me ask you another one, Scott, in terms of outbound links. I don't even know about this one, like technical, the technical Google stance on it, but I do know that Google does not like dead ends. So mm-hmm. if you have a, let's say a landing page, also known as a squeeze page or a sales page, and there's like one button and there's no way to escape besides the back button, like the menu's gone, the footer and the links are gone. And that you're going to have a hard time ranking that page because it's like a dead end on the internet. What Google yeah. likes is like a web and they always want the user to easily be able to leave if it's not good. So if uh-huh. you have like a dead end on the internet and then a pop-up, I mean, you're just asking for like, you're not going to get the SEO value there, which is okay. I mean, and maybe on a sales page, you're trying to limit options. And I understand the reason, the reasoning behind uh, helping your end user maintain focus as they're checking out and that sort of thing. But in my mind, I like to be uh, pretty generous with outbound links even even on a product page, uh, like if there's this other piece of information that's relevant to, to the not to what you know someone making an informed purchase, I will put some a link to somebody else's website on that page. But what's your what's your take on outbound links? Yeah, I mean just what you said. I mean your pages need to not be dead ends like that. I mean the way that I work that is I always have a um, we always have our logo in the top of every page, and the logo always links back to the home the root URL. Um, and I have footer navigation. And so um, those are on pages where I want to um, not have my navigation distract or possibly pull them away from the page that I really want them to stay on and, and read through the whole page or take an action on. Um, but you, um, if you, like, again, if you, if you make a dead end on those pages because you don't want them to leave, Google will say, oh, well, we're not going to send them there. <laughs> if you don't want them to leave, <laughs> we, we need the people to be able to kind of browse through the web. So, uh, so yeah, that's important. I think also little things like... Um, um, like your outbound links having being anchor text and not just URLs. 
Um, that tells Google that you know what you're linking to, um, and also having titles on your links um, uh, is is good. And, you know, good structure and all that kind of stuff. Another good one, just just to watch out for, is duplicate content. Um, so if you're like, oh, I need to create a bunch of SEO content, and you just start reusing something that already exists, and you don't modify it, or um, you know, if you have multiple sites and you think that taking the same blog post and copying it word for word and pasting it on five sites, that can actually hurt you. Oh yeah. So duplicate content is something to be aware of. So, and think about it. Google just wants everything to be unique uh, and not like just plagiarism from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It's not going to help you to copy the best the, the stuff on the, you know, some popular site. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of what I do. So you're talking about like taking your blog post content and copying it to other sites. Um, that used to work and truthfully before they started dinging you for uh, duplicate content. So, um, for, um, some, I don't do this for myself, uh, well, in my space with ministry training, there's just not enough searching that's happening for, or search competition for me to, you know, have to really put a lot of work into it, but I do some SEO work for some clients and, and more high, high search competition, um, spaces. Um, what I'll do is I'll actually manage three or four separate sites that are all peripheral con uh, peripheral topics. So if it's the topic is drug rehab, I'll have a um, you know one site that's the the actual company's website, and we do content, of course, on that site. We also have an inter intervention site that talks about intervention specifically in an intervention service. So is this, uh, are these like micro sites? Is that what you would yeah. call that? Either yeah. not, like, they're simply just blogs, um, yeah. and. And I may produce three pieces of content on the primary client site at, uh, per week, um, but each one of those peripheral sites gets a, at least one piece of content per week as well. So I might be creating um, six or seven pieces of content, 300 words, 500 words, not these massive pieces of you know, um, articles, but enough to continue those sites. And th these other sites don't have to have massive domain authority. They just can't be spam sites. And so um, as long, and, and they need to link to one another and they also need to link out. And so these other sites, um, are legitimate websites. They're not um, clone sites. They're actually valuable in and of themselves. Somebody, you know, they rank in Google. If somebody lands on it, like I want them to click that link back to my client's site. And that's, I mean, not just because it's Google juice, but also because it's, I want them to follow the link. Um, but the, um, but they do help. That is one way. If you have the time and energy <laughs> to produce that much content, then it's not always necessarily best to always produce that, that good content on one site because you're losing the opportunity to be able to build some domain authority by building that content elsewhere and linking it back. So. Absolutely. That's a really good point. And I also just want to say um, when you're trying to rank for something, uh, if you're a beginner, I, I really want to drill in the point that having a keyword is important, but what's, what's almost more important is a keyword phrase. So like a single keyword, like, um, cars would be really hard to rank for but if you are like you know if you want to rank for the term used tesla cars you're in like a niche there so that keyword phrase it's all about keyword phrases like for me selling a learning management system software i like to rank for phrases like how to create an online course that, that's like six words or whatever um mm -hmm. I don't just want the word WordPress. I don't really care about that as a key word. I like the phrase WordPress LMS or, you know, WordPress membership system or LMS software comparison or whatever. Like these phrases for me are way more important than like individual words. Mm -hmm. So it's just a cool for, good concept. For a couple of reasons. I mean, there's, there's a lot of reason to, um, 
to target long tail keywords like that. One is because um, it's it, you know the uh, the competition is lower, and so ranking for those long tail keywords is a little easier, takes a little less effort, a little less time. Uh, but another reason is the the search traffic that comes from when somebody searches how to create an online course. The search traffic is much more focused, so it's different than just online learning. Like, well, you know, you could target or e-learning. Or e-learning, yeah, gosh. Uh, So then you get, you know, you get ten thousand hits in a month for that that, for that thing, but like only ten of those people actually care about like an LMS system. Um, Or you could rank for how to create an online course, or rather, even better, like how to how to build an online course with a learning management system or something. Like something really long and it's specific, and it's like, bam, lift your LMS. But that's and they come to your site because that's exactly what they were looking for. And so you may, you may get less traffic from it, but the traffic you get is much more focused than actually the people you want on your site. Um, and so um, like targeting those long-term keywords is, a, is good for a lot of reasons. And also it helps to make your content a whole lot more interesting. Like if you're targeting short-term, short keywords, uh, one to two words or three words in a phrase, um, you're going to find that your content gets really boring. Right. Um, and you start using that word over and over again instead of a variation or kind of a mixing up that long sentence. So Yeah. So the basics of using a keyword phrase is like put in the title prefer- of the post or whatever page, preferably towards the beginning. Mention it in the first sentence of the first paragraph, maybe twice in the first paragraph, a couple times in the other paragraphs. But don't like overdo it. Don't like like talk unnaturally or try to squeeze it in 17 times in each paragraph. Uh, cause it, you know, then you're kind of trying to game the system there. What I'm saying is, um, it's good just to kind of, I call it thinking like a search engine. Like I like to think like that when I'm like, what podcast episode am I going to make next? Or what kind of blog post am I going to do? I think about keyword phrases that might help, but more importantly, I'm caring about what's of value to my user base. And once I figured that out, like for example, this episode, I know that our, the, our user base, I want them to have a better understanding of SEO. So whatever I end up titling this episode, like SEO basics for online course creators, uh, that would be a keyword phrase right there. And then I, if I say it multiple times in this vid- video, SEO basics for online course creators, it's, uh, and then this video gets transcribed, <laughs> it's going to keep coming through. But I'm not going to overdo it like, you know, but it, what I'm saying is like when, you, when you're uploading that image, when you're thinking about the title of the post, when you think about the words that are in your first sentence in, in something, like think it, th- try to think like a search engine. It's a learned skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's some tools that will help even. So like, again, I use Moz, but for, for keyword um, research, I also use another tool called Jaxi. Um, and so these two tools will tell me not just like, okay, I have an idea for this phrase, how to create an online course, but I can also go search that or, you know, do some research on that with these Moz and Jaxi. And it'll not only tell me like the potential for that particular phrase, um, the, co- the competition there, the number of searches that are happening, you know, around that phrase, but it'll also give me like a thousand variations of that phrase um, so that I can um, know what other, what people are actually searching for. So, um, that helps me in a couple of ways. That helps me to know how to talk about what I want to um, write about or, or um, produce content about. But it also helps me to know what to produce content about. Um, that way I can I'm not waste time producing content that isn't being searched for. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to give you, everybody watching and listening out there, another free tip, which is go do a search on google.com. And as you're starting to type in your main keywords, whatever they are, let's say you're teaching about horses, training horses, um, and you're typing in horse training, 
Google is actually going to start auto-populating the most popular phrases. Or you'll see them show up below the search box like, there it is. It's telling you this is what's in demand, especially if you get way out on the long tail of some very, very micro niche. It'll give you some great suggestions to let you know what's on the mind of the user, like what phrases people are typing in. And if you even scroll to the bottom of the SERP, which is the search engine results page, it's just the page that comes up after you do a Google search. At the very bottom of the page, uh, there's a bunch of keyword phrases down there that you could click on that are like basically relevant searches saying, if you liked the results here, you might also like these searches down here. Click on these. Uh Just just got to slow down for a second and think like a search engine and look at at what's already there for you um, to help you kind of come up with those phrases. Yeah, that's actually, I mean, th- that kind of thing, the, the uh, search um, autocomplete, as well as those uh, other, I forget what Google calls it, the links at the bottom of the search page. Um, it, those are really great content idea sources. So like, I don't know what to post today, or I'm, you know, I'm trying to fill out my content calendar for next month, and I can only come up with 10 posts, but I need 15 posts. You can go start to search, and then Google will tell you what else you should, what you should write about, because it's what people are searching for, so. That's true. And, and just to tell just to give you a personal example of how powerful this is, I did a, uh, I wrote a post once about uh, affiliate marketing for online courses. Uh, and then I, I just, just, just cause I kind of think like a search engine and I made sure I kind of optimized it for that phrase. Uh, two months later, I was on a plane to New York to do some affiliate marketing for online course consulting with a company there, but it's all because I did I just consciously thought about that. And, you know, these long tail phrases are powerful. So if you're in business, you should know, you know, what those are for you. Yeah, that's good. So, well, this all sounds like a lot of work, Scott. And I know you, you offer some services related to this kind of thing. So if somebody's uh, not, if they're more like, this all sounds great, this sounds awesome. Can you just do it for me? I know you do help out people from time to time. Uh, tell us about mm-hmm. what, what what you've got going on over there. Yeah, so we do, um, um, I mean, we have our, our product as this training platform, but I also help with um, with some search stuff for some clients. Uh, we don't take on a lot of clients. We're a small shop. We only have a couple of guys. And so um, we try to keep our, um, our client load pretty light. Um, but we do take on some SEO clients. Um, and um, we sort of... Um, we sort of stopped building websites for clients a couple of years ago, just because building websites is so um, easy to do on your own now. Um, like the, the building websites has become a commodity, but getting websites found on the web is still really a high in demand, um, hard thing to do. Um, honestly, it doesn't take a whole lot of special, I mean, the knowledge that we gave in like already in this particular episode is probably just about as much as you need to get going and, do a good job if if you have the time and the patience and to to do the research and to create the content and to build a relationship with the publishers and all that kind of stuff. Um, so what we do is we focus on um, on three things when we serve clients when it comes to SEO. Technical SEO, just making sure the site is built the right way, and so that you know, that doesn't take a whole lot of work. It's the setup and then a kind of a a review of all the pages and the HTML structure that kind of stuff. 
Um, and of course, you know, making sure that Google and the other search engines recognize it. Um, and then we work on public, like more like PR really, um, building relationships with publishers. And so we go after guest post opportunities. There are ways to find guest post opportunities on lots of blogs. Um, and then there's the content creation on site. And if you're really, you know, in a lot of need, we also will from time to time, if it makes sense, depending on the search competition, um, build kind of a network of sites that are all kind of built to rank well and then bring traffic and build the ranking of the main primary site. So um, we do that. Um, it's usually based on kind of a package deal based on the needs of our client when they come to us and we kind of talk about what they want to accomplish um, and what their competition is. Um, but we do that a little bit here and there. Good deal. Well, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, they can just email me. Scott at trainedup.org is the easiest way to get a hold of me. Awesome. Well, Scott Magdalene, ladies and gentlemen, Thanks for coming on the, on the show, Scott, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, man.